1: gentlemen welcome to the cae fourth quarter conference call please be advised that this call is being recorded i would now like to turn the meeting over to mr andrew arnovitz please go ahead
2: thank you good afternoon everyone and thank you for joining us today before we begin i'd like to remind you that today's remarks including management's outlook for fy22 and answers to questions contain forward-looking statements These forward-looking statements represent our expectations as of today, May 19, 2021, and accordingly are subject to change. Such statements are based on assumptions that may not materialize and are subject to risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. A description of the risks, factors, and assumptions that may affect future results is contained in C's annual MD&A available on our corporate website, and in our filings with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CEDAR and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on EDGAR. On the call with me this afternoon are Marc Parron, C's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Sonia Branco, our Chief Financial Officer. After remarks from Marc and Sonia, we'll take questions from financial analysts and institutional investors. Following the conclusion of that Q&A period, we'll open the call to questions from members of the media. Let me now turn the call over to Mark. Thank
3: you, Andrew, and good afternoon to everyone joining us on the call. Before getting into our results, uh, I'll first share some of my reflections on how we've been managing through the maelstrom of COVID-19 and where I believe CA is now situated some 14 months later. Sonia will provide details about our financial performance and the restructuring program that we have underway, and then I'll come back at the end of the presentation to comment on our outlook. Looking back on the fiscal year, CAE demonstrated tremendous mettle and resiliency in confronting the challenges of COVID-19 in highly innovative ways and, and without ever skipping a beat in terms of the critical support that we provide to customers worldwide. At the same time, as we rapidly learned to adapt to a new normal, we leaned in and fundamentally strengthened the company for the future. We took extraordinary steps to protect CAE our employees and our customers, and I'm extremely proud of our performance and the nobility in which all of us at CE rose up under such exceptional circumstances. We also secured our future by harnessing our one CE culture and seized on several strategic growth opportunities drawn from expanded pipeline. We made important progress through the year to significantly enhance CE's position for future growth. The added financial flexibility from our capital raises has enabled a succession of five highly strategic acquisitions that we announced over the course of the last six months. We expanded our ability to address the civil training market by acquiring flight simulation company in Europe and True Simulation and Training Canada in North America. And we accelerated our expansion into software-enabled civil aviation services with our acquisition of Merlot and RB Group. The latter two helped to solidify our industrial technology leadership and further expand our already large, aggressive market. We also announced a major opportunity in defense with our definitive agreement to acquire L3 Harris's military training business, which will significantly accelerate our defense growth strategy and align us more closely with national defense priorities. We expect to close the acquisition in the second half of the calendar year. Over the course of the year, we also accomplished a lot organically and internally to strengthen our position. We launched new digitally-enabled products and business processes, put a comprehensive program in place to structurally lower our cost base, and we bolstered key talent. The combination of these recent initiatives gives us greater potential than ever for higher growth and profitability in the years ahead. Turning to the results. Up against the sharp challenges of COVID-19, I'm especially pleased with what we've been able to deliver in the fiscal year. In the face of the biggest ever shock in the history of civil aviation and major disruptions across the defense and healthcare markets, CE re- rebounded to quarterly profitability and positive free cash flow after only our first quarter when the brunt of the pandemic hit us. We believed early on that the year was going to be characterized as a tale of two halves, and in the second half was indeed stronger, and the positive momentum of our recovery has continued throughout the year and into this latest fourth quarter. On a consolidated basis, we generated $0.22 cents absolute earnings per share in a quarter, and $0.47 cents adjusted EPS for the year. Order intake was $928 million for the quarter, and $2.7 for the year, giving us a solid backlog of $8.2 billion. This, to me, is strikingly positive when considering that global air travel dropped by approximately 90% at the peak of the crisis and hundreds of millions of dollars in expected defense contracts slipped into next year or beyond. With the measures that we implemented and the resiliency inherent to our business, we also generated strong annual free cash flow of $347 million. This, in of itself, makes an important statement about CE.E. as a sustainable growth company. In addition to the positive investment attributes, including secular tailwinds and a cash-generative profile, CE CA has also proven, once again, to be a safe port in a storm. Now, turning to some of the segment highlights. In civil, average training center utilization continued to edge higher, reaching 55% in the fourth quarter, and we saw sequentially higher adjusted segment operating income margins. We delivered 14 full-flight simulators in a quarter, and despite market and logistical challenges, we delivered 36 full-flight simulators for the year in the civil business. We also continued to win new orders with $386 million booked in the quarter and annual orders totaling $1.3 billion, including comprehensive long-term training agreements with airlines, cargo operators, and business jet operators worldwide, and 11 full-flight simulator sales the year. Civil finished this year with a backlog of $4.3 billion. In defense, orders of $370 million in a quarter gave us a book-to-sales ratio above 1.1 for the first time in the last five quarters. And even with significant expected orders moving out of the fiscal year, defense order bookings reached $1.1 billion for a $3.9 billion defense backlog. Despite having to condemn with COVID-19 headwinds in defense, especially in international markets, we stabilized the business and made excellent progress to position it for future profitable growth. During the year, we secured all of our foundational recompetes, and we won significant new competitions in our core market and expanded our position in digital immersion, operational support, and security. CE's mission is to lead at the frontier of digital immersion with high-tech training and operational support solutions to make the world a safer place and a prime example of that is how we're positioning defense for the future and bringing our mission to fruition is an example of that being a recent win of a flagship program in the united states called the united states special operations command or u.s socom to lead the integration and architecture development efforts for the special operations forces global situational awareness initiative I really want to underscore the significance of two defense of our fiscal 21 wins, and in particular, this U.S. SOCOM program, and I'll comment more on them in my outlook. Turning, finally, to healthcare, we completed deliveries of the CAE Air 1 ventilators during the quarter, and we reached record-level quarterly revenue, even before the contribution from ventilators. Our ventilator initiative was an important humanitarian effort that had the added benefits of generating incremental cash flow and providing employment during a time of crisis. And the speed and effectiveness with which, which we developed and delivered the CA Air one is a testament to the unique combination of CA's agility, our deep subject matter expertise in healthcare, and the vast industrial and technological capabilities of the company. During the year, healthcare continued to bolster its position as the innovation leader in simulation-based healthcare education and training through the launch of new AI-enhanced training tools and digital management solutions in support of our customers' training needs during the COVID-19 pandemic. We also launched CA SimEquip, simulated medical equipment, and we continue to develop transformative digital training solutions for OEMs, and leading medical device companies, including Edwards Life Sciences and Cortis, a Cardinal Health company. With that on, I'll turn the call over to Sonia, who will provide a detailed look at our financial performance. And I'll return at the end of the call to comment on our outlook. Sonia?
4: Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. We continue to see good sequential performance improvements in the fourth quarter. Consolidated revenue of $894.3 million was up 7% compared to the third quarter and is 8% lower compared to the fourth quarter last year. Adjusted segment operating income was $106.2 million compared to $97.2 million in Q3 and $193.9 million last year. Quarterly adjusted net income was $63.2 million, or 22 cents per share, compared to 22 cents in Q3 and 46 cents in the fourth quarter last year. For the year, consolidated revenue was down 18% to $3 billion and adjusted segment operating income was down 52% $280.6 $280.6 million. Annual adjusted net income was $127.1 million, or $0.47 cents per share, which is down 65% compared to $1.34 last year. Our disclosure this quarter provides the impact of the Canadian Emergency Waves subsidy and other COVID-19 government support pro- programs. We have highlighted the impact on some key metrics. During the period, we carried higher employee costs than we would otherwise have been carrying as amounts received from the COVID-19 government support programs either flowed through directly to employees according to the objective of the subsidy program and the way they were designed in certain countries, or the amounts were offset by the increased costs we incurred in revoking some of our initial cost-saving measures, including eliminating salary reductions and bringing back employees who were previously placed on furloughs or reduced work weeks. As such, we have been operating with higher, op- higher expenses than we would have in the absence of SCHOOS, and so the impacts of the government support programs are mo- almost entirely neutralized. Our global training operations are especially cash-generative in nature. Net cash provided by operating activities was $174.6 million for the quarter compared to $246.3 million in the fourth quarter last year, and for the year, we generated $366.6 million from operating activities compared to $545.1 million last year. We had a strong free cash flow in the quarter of $170.6 million and $346.8 million for the year, which compares to $351.2 million last year. We continue to target an average conversion of net income to free cash flow of 100%. Uses of cash involve funding capital expenditures for $50.5 million in the fourth quarter and $107.6 million for the year, in line with our outlook of total capex of approximately $100 million for the year. Our growth capex is directly linked to our opportunities to invest incremental capital with attractive returns and free cash flows. With our current view of attractive market-led expansion investment opportunities, we expect total capital expenditures to more than double in fiscal year 2022 versus the prior year. Income tax recovery this quarter was $3.2 million, representing a negative effective tax rate of 21%, compared to an effective tax rate of 25% for the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. Tax rate was low because of the restructuring costs we incurred this quarter. Excluding the effect of these elements, the income tax rate would have been 16% this quarter and 19% for the year. Net debt was $1.4 billion at the end of March for a net debt to total capital ratio of 30.7%. This compares to $2.4 billion, or 47.8% of total capital at the end of last year. Net debt to adjusted EBITDA was 2.38 times at the end of the quarter. All told, between cash and available credit, we have approximately $2.7 billion of available liquidity. TA's liquidity was further enhanced with the completion in March of a marketed cross-border public ring of common shares for gross proceeds of $358.5 million. As at March 31, 2021, we had a higher cash balance on hand from our recent equity issuances, and these proceeds will be used to fund the proposed Elsie harris military training business acquisition and other potential growth investments in our pipeline. On the restructuring front, we're continuing to make good progress. The program is enabling CAE to best serve the market by optimizing our global asset base and footprint, adapting our global workforce and adjusting our business to correspond with the expected level of demand and structural efficiencies that will be enduring. While maintaining our presence in all markets, we've made excellent progress consolidating our global footprint for greater efficiency and to better serve our customers. In the UK, we have consolidated five locations into three. In Europe, we are in the process of consolidating 17 training locations into 13, in addition to optimizing 13 remaining locations. And in South America, we are moving from six to four locations. We began executing our restructuring program in the second quarter, and as at the end of March, we have incurred a total of uh, $124.0 million of restructuring, integration and acquisition expenses for the entire year. In fiscal year 22, we expect to incur approximately $50 million in additional restructuring expenses related to this approximate $170 million program. We continue to expect to realize significant annual recurring cost savings, wrapping up to a run rate of approximately $65 to $70 million by the end of the new fiscal year. Now turning to our segmented performance. In civil, fourth quarter revenue is down 6% compared to the preceding quarter and down 36% year-over-year to $388.2 million. I would note that revenue is generally not the most representative metric for civil given that there is no recognition of our share of revenue from the large number of joint ventures that we operate around the world. And in fact, part of the utilization increase that we saw in the quarter was the result of stronger performance in regions where we operate under joint ventures. Civil performance is better represented by adjusted segment operating income, which is up 7% sequentially and down 57% year-over-year to $66.6 million for a margin of 17.2%. For the year, civil revenue was down 35% to $1.4 billion and adjusted segment operating income was down 66% to $164.3 million for an annual margin of 11.6%. The civil book-to-sales ratio for the quarter was 0.99 times and for the year is 0.89 times. In defense, fourth quarter revenue of $334.4 million was up 12% compared to the preceding quarter and down 2% over Q4 last year and adjusted segment operating income was up 4% over the preceding third quarter and down 42% over last year to $23.2 million for an operating margin of 6.9%. For the year, defense revenue was down 9% to $1.2 billion, and adjusted segment operating income was down 24% to $87 million, representing a margin of 7.1%. The defense book the sales ratio for the quarter was 1.11 times, and for the year was 0.91 times. And in healthcare, fourth quarter revenue was $171.7 million, up 42% from the preceding quarter and 411% from $33.6 million in Q4 last year. Adjusted segment operating income was $16.4 million in the quarter compared to $12.9 million in the preceding quarter and $100,000 in Q4 last year. For the year, healthcare revenue was $351.9 million. Up from $124.5 million, and adjusted segment operating income was $29.3 million, representing an increase of $32.8 million, compared to segment operating loss of $3.5 million last year. For comparative purposes, the CAE Air One Ventilators contract with the Canadian government contributed $130 million to the fourth quarter revenue and $230.6 million for the year. With that, I will ask Mark to discuss the way forward.
3: Thanks, Sonia. As we look to the period ahead, I'm highly encouraged by all that we've done to reinforce CE's base over the last year and to expand our horizons for long-term sustainable growth. True to our vision to be the partner of choice, we exercise great agility and collaboration as one CE to quickly and effectively protect our employees and our customers, which has engendered even greater loyalty and engagement. And like few other companies, throughout the turmoil, we executed a series of five highly strategic acquisitions, we raised equity, and fundamentally repositioned a company for the future, while at the same time launching new products, investing into new growth adjacencies, and structurally lowering our cost structure. CA is indeed a unique company with a highly talented team and a shared culture of innovation. I expect that we'll continue to make important strides to enhance CA's position for future growth. We're focused on the successful integration of our four civil acquisitions and on closing the acquisition of the L3 Harris military training business. We look forward to realizing the very significant potential of the combined businesses to better serve the needs of our customers, and at the same time, We've ensured that we continue to have the financial flexibility and the bandwidth to to cultivate a large pipeline of sustainable growth opportunities, including the deployment of expansion capital in highly accretive and sustainable areas like training, and to expand our reach and strengthen our position as an industrial technology leader. We're leaning in and focusing on the long term bolstering our standing as the global market leader in our field through the application of advanced technologies and by expanding the aperture of our market reach and we will continue to invest in ca's capabilities to revolutionize our customers training and critical operations and increase market share with digitally immersive solutions in the short term we continue to expect to trend positively, and there's little doubt that with all that we've done in recent months internally and externally to enhance our position, we'll see strong growth for CAE in the fiscal year 2022. The exact slope of CE's recovery, the pre-pandemic levels and beyond, is dependent on the timing and the rate at which travel restrictions and quarantines can be safely lifted and normal activities resume in our end market. The global rollout of vaccines to combat COVID-19 is highly encouraging, and I believe that the summer months will be very telling. This is especially the case, obviously, for civil, where we believe that there's considerable pent-up demand for air travel, and we're already seeing this manifest in regions like the United States, where domestic air travel is ramping up strongly. We're also highly encouraged by our prospects for renewed growth and profitability in defense, the extent of which is in in the current fiscal year will depend on, among other initiatives, to the potential and timing of closing of the L3 Harris military Training business acquisition. Taking all of those variables into account, we expect to have greater clarity and be in a position to provide a more precise growth outlook for fiscal year 2022 when we report our first quarter results in August. And as we look further out, I'm more confident than ever before in CE's future. Our strategy and positioning are very well aligned with a post-COVID-19 business and geopolitical landscape with expected secular trends favorable for all three of our business segments. Greater willingness to outsource training by airlines, higher expected pilot demand, and strong growth in business travel are enduring positives for the civil business. The paradigm shift from asymmetric uh, asymmetric to near-peer threats and recognition of the sharply increased need for digitally-immersion-based synthetic solutions in national defense are tailwinds that favor CE's defense business. And healthcare is poised to leverage opportunities presented by a growing awareness and appreciation of simulation and training to make healthcare safer. If we look specifically at civil, we continue to see training demand preceding the return to air travel as airline capacity and the associated crews are prepared to re-enter service. Domestic air travel is coming back faster, especially in regions with a more advanced ramp-up of vaccinations, while cross-border and transcontinental operations are lagging as they're more tied to the easing of travel restrictions. In the United States, we currently have requests and indications that pilot hiring will resume in the next couple of quarters, and we're already hiring, hiring instructors in support of our regional aircraft customers. We expect to continue expanding our market share and securing new customer partnerships drawn from a large pipeline of airline prospects. We've made very good progress in last year having signed exclusive training agreements for supplemental training capacity on narrow-body aircraft with six customers including major airlines in the Americas and aircraft OEMs as well, which is often an initial step towards a more comprehensive outsourcing. We've also signed exclusive training agreements with six new startup airlines that have elected, that have elected to bypass the in-source training model altogether. Our growth in commercial aviation training in fiscal year 2022 will come from these new partnerships additional partnerships that we expect to conclude from our pipeline, and of course the general improvement in flight activities involving existing customers as restrictions ease. We also expect to see the benefits of the lower structural cost base that we've achieved as as the recurring savings ramp up towards the end of the year. In business aviation training, flying activity has recovered much faster than commercial, And with levels of demand in the United States nearly back to 2019 levels, this bodes very well for training demand in this highly important segment of the civil training market. Civil full-flight simulator sales uh, are driven by new aircraft deliveries, and while the total market remains small at present, we expect to maintain our leading share of available full-flight simulator sales. We still have the benefit of a large backlog of customer-funded full flight simulator orders and we expect to substantially deliver this backlog over the next couple of years, including upwards of 30 in fiscal year 2022. Over the last couple of years, we've been steadily unifying the digital flight operations ecosystem with the goal of delivering a holistic suite of solutions designed to improve operations and enhance the crew experience while further increasing our large addressable market in civil our vision began in 2018 with the acquisition of telesis an aviation training courseware developer and publisher with one of the most comprehensive training and compliance systems in the industry and we expanded on this vision with the launch of ca rise our predictive management and training visibility system and in the period ahead we're we're going to continue to expand our reach beyond pilot training solutions into the rapidly growing market for digitally-enabled crew optimization services. The acquisitions of Merlot and RB Group are building blocks that allow CA to provide an end-to-end offering of crew performance software that extends from training through optimized crew operations and is unique in the industry. We're also positioning in the advanced air mobility market, which we believe will become another secular driver for pilot training and demand for She's expertise in modeling and simulation. Last week we announced that CE had been selected by Jaunt Air Mobility to lead the design and development of the Jaunt Aircraft Systems Integration Lab for the company's new all electrical all-electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, the Journey Aircraft. By leveraging C's extensive experience in high-fidelity simulation, we're going to work hand in hand with John to bring best-in-class simulation modeling to the aircraft development program from the inception of this program. In defense, at the same time as we stabilize the defense business in fiscal 21, we position the business for future profitable growth. And I'm encouraged by our new competitive wins and large pipeline of programs that specifically call upon CA's expertise in the synthetic domain. <clears throat> Importantly, as I introduced in my opening comments, Defense won all of its foundational recompetes, including the U.S. Air Force KC-135 Aircrew Training Systems Contract, which also in this contract adds training support services for the Air National Guard boom operator simulation systems. We also secured a critical follow-on for the U.S. Navy T-44C instructional services. These wins underscore the strength of our recurring base of core programs in defense. And new fiscal 21 competitive wins in our core market add to that base, including the United States Army Advanced Helicopter Flight Training Services, and the France-Germany C-130J training solutions. We also signed agreements with Boeing to provide P-8A training support services for the United Kingdom Royal Air Force and with General Atomics to continue the development of a comprehensive synthetic training system for the UK Protector remotely piloted aircraft program. The Protector is General Atomics' first major MQ-9B sale. Their next generation platform which is expected to sell hundreds worldwide, with CE providing its training support. We also expanded our position in the security market with an agreement for United States Customs and Border Protection Aircraft pilot training services, and we added to our customer base at our Alabama-based Dothan Training Center with the provision of training for the Irish Air Corps. Defense also expanded its position in digital immersion with notable wins, including the United States Air Force Advanced Battle Management System and the UK Single Synthetic Environment. The announcement earlier this week of our selection by the United States Special Operations Command for the Soft Global Situational Awareness Initiative is strategically noteworthy. After a highly competitive process, beginning with over 100 companies, including some of the largest defense OEMs and Silicon Valley entrance. CAE was awarded a a U.S. $135 million contract to deliver the scalable next-generation mission command system that unifies the Special Operations Forces Enterprise through the creation of an integrated common operational picture called the Mission Command Systems Common Operational Picture, or MCS-COP, This system will deliver enhanced global situational awareness to the US special operators around the world. SEA's digital ecosystem solution leverages our world-class modeling simulation expertise beyond training by integrating data analytics, artificial intelligence and digital immersion technologies into a synthetic environment to create a powerful tool for analysis, planning and decision support. This technology is a critical enabler for United States and allied forces to successfully train and operate across all five battlespace domains, a mandate that's laid out in a U.S. national defense strategy. Our priorities in defense are focused on the long term and in investing in our leading position as a training and mission support partner with leading edge capabilities in digital immersion. We're also enhancing our position by laying the groundwork to strategically team with major OEMs on next-generation platforms. And with our expertise in integration of live, virtual, and constructive training, along with capabilities to address missions and operations support, we believe that we will make significant inroads in the broader defense market in the years ahead. Defense is well-positioned to capture business around the world, accelerated with expanded capability and customer set following the expected close of the L3 Harris military training acquisition. And lastly, in healthcare, we're capitalizing on a greater market appreciation of the benefits of healthcare simulation training to improve safety and to help save lives. I continue to be encouraged by what our new team has been able to do, and I look forward to gaining su- sustainable scale with our innovation- innovative solutions to make healthcare safer healthcare has been and continues to be an important dimension of C's social profile and C has been as recently spearheaded the industry for vaccination coalition by gathering support for companies and their CEOs across Canada the goal of the coalition was to accelerate mass vaccination through the private sector at no cost to governments to restart the economy as soon as possible CE converted 12,000 square feet of conference rooms into a world-class operational vaccination center, which opened on April 26. In addition to the critical role it serves in the ramp-up of vaccinations in Quebec, it's really a great example of CE's corporate citizenship and a source of great pride for all of us at CE. In summary, a year, two months after the pandemic began, the investment thesis for CE is more compelling than ever. And I, I strongly believe that we'll achieve new heights in growth and profitability in years ahead as we bring to fruition our recent acquisitions, our new digital products, our expansion investments, our bolstered leadership, and our operational efficiencies.
2: And with that, I uh, thank you for your attention. Uh,
3: we're now ready to answer your questions.
2: Thank you, Mark. Uh, operator, we'll now open the lines to members of the financial community.
1: Thank you. If you would like to register a question or comment, please press the one followed by the four on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the one followed by the three. One moment, please. The first question comes from Fadi Shamoon of BMO. Please go ahead.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
5: Um, a couple of questions. A couple of questions. First, on um, the capex, uh, you're indicating more than doubling versus 100 million. First, can you kind of give us uh, a framework? Like, is this something based on what you have in the pipeline? If you can narrow down that kind of guidance a little bit, is it something in like 200 to 250 million? And, and more importantly, where are you seeing these opportunities to deploy more capital? I mean, looking at utilization rate, which is more of a consolidated number, it looks like you have a lot of room to grow into. But I'm just curious where these opportunities to grow uh, are showing up. Well, if you will not mind, uh, some of that I'm going
3: to be a bit circumspect because of competitive reasons. Uh, but I think. Broadly, uh, you know, where we feel confident in, in, in that capex number is because we're we're seeing the opportunities uh, that you know, we've had with conversations with customers, both on uh, on commercial and business aircraft, where we can deploy asset simulators uh, either to, uh, if you like, I talked about overflow agreements on on commercial aircraft, so. You might not have seen a complete outsourcing, but you've seen a lot. What we've seen, though, is we've secured, as I said in the mar- remarks, a number of agreements with airlines that we, have, if we deploy the capital, we can and we can basically get overflow agreements that can be converted to long-term training contracts, especially on narrow-body aircraft. At the same time, in business aviation, we see quite a uh, an attractive opportunity in a number of locations to deploy uh, business aviation assets and and of course both of those uh, generate some of the best returns uh, this growth capex that his uh, twenty thirty percent incremental return on capital employed at or after a very short amount of time so we'll invest in those every day invest in those every day of the week and I just add you know so
4: in in uh, in the review and the continual review of our capacity, uh, we we absolutely redeploy assets if uh, uh, first and foremost before issuing new ca- new capex. But opportunities like Mark mentioned, they they vary by platforms, right? So so the overall utilization metrics is probably not the best. And and so where we see demand in our pipeline and secured, uh, like Mark said, it drives nicely accretive returns, 23% range within the first few years of deployment. So. So essentially, that leads us to, to the guidance, which uh, essentially will set at about more than double this year's capex.
5: Okay. Um, my second question is on the um, the uh, restructuring and the cost saving associated with it. How much of the savings have you realized in 21? And uh, I'm just curious, kind of if you have a way to, for us to think about how those savings play out into 2022. You're saying like, by the end of the year, the exit rate would be 65 to 70 million of cost saving. So what 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 would you expect in terms of contribution for the year overall from those cost savings?
4: Yeah, so, so as we said, it's going to ramp up during the year. We, we started to see some, some savings, uh, but I think it's really going to start kicking in in, in FY22 and, and ramping up to, like you said, uh, around $65 to $70 million by the end of the year. So this will be uh, more uh, back-ended into the second half. Uh, and we're really kind of progressing quite well. Um, as I mentioned in my remarks, we're essentially completed in the UK, uh, going from five, five training centers to three. Uh, and closed out some centers and so on. So that's savings that will kick in, you know, uh, as of now and so on. Some some elements in Europe still underway in South America. Uh, but essentially, uh, what we'll see is a ramp up quarter to quarter uh, with uh, a heavier, uh, a heavier preponderance in second half as we kind of finalize some of these and reaching about $65 to $70 million by the end of the year.
5: Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from konrak gupta of scotia capital please go ahead
6: good afternoon and uh, thanks for taking my question um so maybe the first one on civil um i wanted to ask you um, the revenue and soi excluding government support uh, were softer than uh, what you saw in q3 uh, despite utilization rate and simulator deliveries increasing sequentially Uh, i guess joint venture accounting obviously creates some noise here but uh, can you share any color on soi decline sequentially including uh, perhaps any impact of asset relocation as you restructure or any kind of revenue mix on simulators pricing as well as product services mix thank you
3: i can start it off i think uh, revenue is never a perfect uh, metric in the civil business or actually in all of our business but it certainly in a quarter but uh, i think you're seeing what you're seeing part of it you know in terms of the sequential revenue story uh, and it's a, it's a nuance in our business that, you know, nearly 50% uh, of our, our business there are counted as JVs, which doesn't show up on revenue. So the majority of the JVs that we have happen to be outside of the Americas. And that's what we've seen in this quarter relative to previously is where we've seen the the biggest sequential pickup in trends. Uh, so, again, you're not seeing that revenue pickup. You are seeing it in the SOI but you're not seeing it. So that's one subtlety there. Uh, at the same time, as you know, Sonia talked about all the moves that we're making in terms of achieving your restructuring benefits, but well, a lot of that involves moving simulators around and we're taking advantage of the period that we're in where obviously training is, uh, and training is at lower levels than it would be in a steady state. So we're taking that opportunity to move those simulators around. So you're not going to see any revenue from those at the same time. Uh, and uh, frankly and there's mix as well there's mix there always is but there's mix in this quarter but you want to add anything to it uh,
4: yeah so, so to speak to the utilization it did go a climb from 50 to 55 percent and, and you know uh, we saw some improvement in the Americas but um, the, a lot of the progression was in certain regions uh, where we do have more joint ventures like like the Middle East right so um, so what that did is contributed to the SOI growth and and uh, just a just to kind of correct you or, or uh, clarify, there was sequential SOI growth of 7% uh, quarter over quarter. Uh, and that's why we usually indicate as this is the best metric uh, on the civil side because it captures everything. So, so that increase in joint ventures uh, translated in, in, uh, in quarterly uh, pickup in SOI. Uh, and that's also one of the elements um, that's driving uh, the, the margin improvement. Um, on the revenue side, uh, like Mark mentioned, uh, a bit of disturbance because we do have, we did uh, take the opportunity and the advantage to to relocate uh, several, uh, a lot of these um, simulators, so that we can finalize certain regions like the UK and so on, and and you know progress on on the savings. Uh, and so that disturbed revenue for a bit, but ultimately uh, we saw uh, the, um, the contributions flow through on SLI with that. Sequential uh, increase to 66 million from 62 million, and on the margin, uh, that joint venture was was um, was a bit uh, of a driver because it has the SOI without the revenue, uh, and also on the product side, the we did have uh, a good uh, margin mix on the deliveries that we had in the quarter.
6: Thank you. I was uh, I was actually referring to uh, the SOI decline excluding the government support programs, but I guess as you pointed out before on the call. There's also kind of costs associated with the COVID, right? So that might make sense.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so on that front, Connor, uh, just a, you know, I guess it's it's a new element. Well, it's it's not necessarily new. We've been disclosing the government support program since the beginning of the fiscal year. The update uh, this quarter is that we've added new non-GAAP measures to kind of reflect the impact. Uh, I guess that give it more more visibility and to incorporate some new reporting guidances and so on. Uh, but what we look at is the adjusted SOI because this metric. So it shows the contribution benefit, but doesn't show the adjusted um, the adjustment the heightened operating costs that we've incurred, which is essentially neutralizing all the government programs. So, so we should look at it uh, on the adjusted SOI basis, and on that basis, it grew quarter over a quarter. I,
3: let me just pile on to that because I, could, I see the confusion there. Uh, I think it's a very important quarter uh, that when we look at the when we look at the profitability of the, civ- uh, the civil business with all the noise that uh, is there. The number that we use to manage the business is that 17.2% adjusted SOM margin. And that's, up, uh, you know, versus 50, it was 50% in Q3. That's really what we're looking at to manage the business. And going forward, there's gonna be a less of this noise because users won't be there. So I think you, I mean, you can use that as the benchmark to measure our progress going forward. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, thank you for
6: clarifying. Um, and my second question is on uh, on free cash flow. So I think uh, the commentary you made uh, and the disclosures was uh, free cash flow conversion uh, continues uh, to be 100% uh, almost on net income this year. Um, now, conversion was obviously significantly higher last year because the capex was down. Uh, but how should we think about um, your free cash flow generation ability uh, this year uh, compared to pre-pandemic levels? And if you can comment on the, the CapEx, uh, to Farid's question, uh, how much uh, should we expect for growth CapEx versus maintenance CapEx in your guidance?
4: Yeah, for, for the total CapEx, I think we'll stick to the guidance that we provided that overall uh, it'll be more than double uh, this year's in total. And, and I think you can use past trends to kind of split out uh, maintenance and, and, and CapEx. I think, I think those will hold true. In terms of free cash flow, I think, you know, in, in this very tumultuous year, uh, we've really demonstrated how cash-generative uh, this business is, even at very um, uh, low levels of activity. And so, uh, ultimately, we've always targeted in the past 100% conversion of free cash flow, and, and uh, we'll, we'll do so again for FY22. Okay, that's
6: all my questions. Thank you.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Noah Papanark of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead.
7: Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Hi. Just to make sure I have the new uh, or additional disclosure around the margins correct, um, Mark, would you would you expect the civil uh, segment margin, the 17.2 you were just referring to? Would you expect to see continued sequential improvement from here? From that level, even as the uh, government support programs uh, roll out, I think on the central level, definitely we would expect continued
3: uh, growth in that number. Uh, just because we're going to throw in, we're going to be throwing more revenue as quasi fixed assets. I mean, the only thing I'll say there is you got to watch. Uh, I mean, we're in a funny kind of market, you know, obviously because of of uh, of COVID. Uh, but typically what you would see in the summer months is you see, uh, you know, when airlines are flying more, they're not training as much, so you see seasonal effects, that'll probably be less pronounced this year. But, you know, on a run rate basis, definitely as your volume increases in the next few quarters, you're going to see uh, SOI pick up uh, from the volume of activity, from the restructuring activities that we put forward. So for, there's no doubt about that.
4: Yeah, So, so, you know, on a – on a financial basis, the government programs and the heightened operating expenses essentially neutralize. Uh, and so, uh, minimal financial impact non a net basis for the year. And so, uh, the adjusted SOI uh, is, is really the basis on which we're, we're providing the guidance and so on. And so, ultimately, what this program allowed us to do is keep employees on through the worst of the pandemic and where volume of activity has returned, we have the employees to operate and, and serve our customers. And where it hasn't, we, we've made the required reduction. Um, and so, uh, you know, the growth, the growth, uh, or the guidance that we're giving is on these adjusted uh, um, adjusted metrics. Now, the, the margin can fluctuate based on, on mix, but that's the basis. Right.
7: right. So, Sonya, what you're saying is um, it, it's not just that you know you have the government programs, and then you also have just other cost and disruption and that we should adjust for one but not the other, what you're saying is there's costs in the system that you otherwise would have been able to manage that you're just not managing because you have the government support, and so we should think of those as neutralizing. Correct. Okay. Um, Could you elaborate on uh, what you saw in the utilization rate within civil by um, large commercial Aerospace versus business jet, and maybe a little bit more by geography.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, business aircrafts doing pretty good. As I, as I said, uh, you know, the U.S. in terms of flying activity, it's, it's pretty much back to COVID nineteen levels, which is quite astounding. Which is is really, uh, I mean, yeah, prior to going back to twenty nineteen. So. You can expect that that's re- that's resulting in some pretty good training activity in our in our civil training center. It's a bit slower in Europe because of all the continuing uh, lockdowns in 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 Europe, mainly people have less less ability to fly. But even that is you know recovered faster than you see in commercial aviation. It, it sorry in uh, yeah in commercial aviation just slower than the United States. If I go around uh, in commercial aviation, it, it's. You know, we're a worldwide business, so, you, so your question, I think, is apropos, uh, because really the, the the big pickup for us will be when the big pickup occurs, you know, throughout the world, but what we're seeing regionally is like it, in the United States on commercial aircraft, we're actually starting to see utilization match pre-pandemic levels. We're actually adding capacity, and we're hiring structures to support wet training with a lot of airlines and, and our flight school Classes are are now looking to resume in really full force this summer. And, you know, with the voluntary furloughs that occurred over the past year in the United States, you know, the airlines are seeing a higher need for future pilots as they they really need to eventually replace everyone that's left and and they can no longer be called back. Uh, We're seeing, you know, we talked about this training bubble before and, we're starting to see that, uh, but it it's, it depends on which geography you're in. In countries in countries where we saw a sudden halt in operations and training, we're seeing a sp- in a spike in our training center utilization as the airlines rush to get their pilots current again. Good example of that was uh, recently in Colombia, where we really work we were working really hard. I tell you, we we're above 100% in our training center to support specifically Avianca that decided uh, to get all their pilots current again. And obviously, depends on the timing, but, you know, we're going to see this happen, to me, across most of the locations where there was pretty drastic uh, lockdowns. Uh, to look at, again, uh, again going regionally, you see the India, our utilization, notwithstanding the drastic situation that you see, which is horrific in terms of, you know, the deaths coming from COVID-19, the utilization in February uh, was over 80, uh, 90%. Just as the domestic market was making recovery, obviously that slowed down, uh, you know, for good reasons. But uh, and, and if I could go around the world, but you're you're really, if you were to basically look at where the remaining lockdowns are, where you have travel restrictions, then basically you're you're seeing a subdued level of training activity. And where you're not, like in the United States, you're seeing uh, you, you're seeing tra- people return to travel. Uh, it, you know, quite heartily, and I'm very encouraged by that. And I think that'll that will show up in our in our numbers over the next few quarters, no doubt
7: about that. So, Mark, if you were, it sounds like if you were able to disaggregate that 55 um, in 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 training related to you know domestic U.S. or something a region and type of flying like that that's strong, the utilization for, rate for you is pretty much back to pre-pandemic, and it's just that the utilization rate in Domestic places that still have a lockdown or related to cross-border is still, you know, below the 55.
3: Pretty much. Pretty much because, again, the other factor to look at is that really what's picked up is narrow-body domestic travel. And, again, that's what's picked up in the United States. So your statement you just said I would agree with. What's still pretty slow is wide-body, you know, oceanic because, again, of the restrictions. And I think that will be slower. But I think the statement you made is that correct. OK. Thank
1: you. Thank you. The next question comes from Tim James of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Uh,
8: thanks. Good afternoon. Thank you for, for taking my call.
1: Um,
8: Just um, my first question, um, Mark. You kind of touched on earlier in your commentary about, I think, about some of the kind of opportunities for for commercial airlines that may be looking to outsource training, and and that's always been kind of an opportunity for CA. I'm just wondering if you can kind of update us on, you know, now as we kind of come out of the pandemic, any kind of areas where you see more regional opportunities or. Um, maybe just the way customers are, are thinking about this and if the pandemic is, has influenced their thinking, if it's really going to kind of accelerate some of that outsource and just any, any additional color?
3: I think that I've seen the same thing that I've talked about previously before. There's much more conversations. We're still at a state where you know the the, the, the majority of the world, barring like I said, perhaps the United States, are still you know really dealing with, you know, yeah, uh, severe restrictions. They look at the situation in Canada. I don't need to describe that to you because you live here. But the the fact that the fact is, uh, airlines in a, in a large part of the world are still really really trying to figure out what their fleet mix is going to be. So, you know, if you don't know what your fleet mix is going to be, uh, versus narrow, a number of narrow bodies versus wide bodies, the kind of routes that you'll be flying, it's pretty difficult to really decide on. You know what you can outsource. You know the the old adage is, I've used this example before. You don't outsource a mess, (laughs) and and because either one or two things are going to happen. Either 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 you're going to pay too much, or us at CE, uh, you know, we're we're not going to make a good deal because you know we we don't have a good basis on which to base a outsourcing agreement. But I think that I take comfort by the fact, as I mentioned, that. You know, perversely, COVID-19 has been a great time to start an airline for, for a number of reasons that I don't need to highlight. So of this, uh, we, we secured contracts with six startup airlines that are going straight to basically to the position that, of course, we project is to say, you know, why would you start a training uh, operation when we can provide a turnkey solution for you? So for six of those startup airlines, that's what we're doing. And at the same time, we've deployed – you know, uh, training uh, training uh, in our various centers and in customer centers with simulators with long-term overflow contracts. Whereas before, and, and that's really airlines saying, hey, I'm not gonna invest necessarily in the asset, but I'm gonna sign a contract with you. And because I, I really don't know but I want the flex it. I don't know what the demand is necessarily going to be, but I need to maintain that optionality so they can seize the upside in the market and that's attractive because that always that always is the genera- the genesis for outsourcing you know because our business model and I think you've follow us for a long time you've seen it it's always to enter into a relationship whether it be a simulator whether it be a uh, running their training center r- uh, doing some training overflow and more and more expanding our relationship expanding our wallet share with customers i felt very good about that and i i again lots of conversations but uh i'm a patient man and but i'm confident that that patience will pay off okay that that's helpful thank you um
8: and then just my my second question um i'm thinking about kind of the upcoming fiscal year and, and some of the acquisitions, uh, well, I guess in, in particular one or two acquisitions that you've made of the civil space and, and the new simulators that you've got in the network. Is there is there a need to, or will you be continuing to kind of relocate, move simulators around this year? And am I correct in thinking, it's kind of a good time to be doing that because utilization is still relatively low, whereas if you were sort of running flat out, it would be a bit more disruptive? Or are you kind of at the point now where you feel pretty good with with
3: the location of of SIMS throughout the network? No, we've been doing that. The the big part or or a big part of our restructuring program is exactly that, Tim. And as I'm mentioning, we've done a lot of that in the fourth quarter. We're going to do some more. But I think that's going to calm down, Uh, and that's where really you're going to see a lot of the restructuring savings come from uh, because we're taking advantage of exactly the fact that there's reduced level of activity uh, to be able to uh, do those moves so you don't have to do it in a steady state. Uh, So absolutely right. Great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Cameron Dorkson of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
6: Uh, thanks. Good afternoon. Uh, just really one question for me, and it's I guess around the, uh, the foreign exchange uh, and the fact that we've seen the Canadian dollar strengthen a fair bit here in the last few months. Um, I, you know, I, I guess in the past this has been a kind of a net negative uh, from a I guess a revenue growth perspective. But Sonia, maybe you can sort of remind us of the the FX impact on CAE. Uh, and you know, whether that's changed from where it was a couple of years ago, uh, and also if you have any sort of sensitivity around FX changes and what that means to either operating income or uh, to, uh, to EPS. Yeah,
4: so, so you're right. It, uh, it is a bit of a hindrance, um, largely as a result of uh, the translation. Uh, And so, um, you know, obviously, it it really um, depends on where the the revenues are earned and so on, so the sensitivity evolves. Uh, But ultimately, you know, what I use as a rule of thumb is uh, one cent on the USD CAD. The whole year is about $2.5 million of SOI in fact.
6: Okay, you said $2.5 million SOI. Okay, okay.
4: On the translation Uh,
6: uh, just, just on translation, so the, 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 in training centers, especially, I guess the, the, the revenue and the costs would generally be aligned.
4: That's right. So, uh, so, so margins would be would be similar, uh, but the translation would come into a lower Canadian dollar equivalent.
6: Got it. Uh, perfect. That's, that's all I had. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Kevin Chang of CIBC. Please go ahead.
9: Thanks. Thanks for taking my question. Maybe just a, a clarification question, Mark. You, you talked about you know what you're seeing from a, a utilization perspective, but by, by market, and a lot of it is being driven by I guess the level of, of openness uh, you know those respective economies have. But but wondering you know as as some countries look at you know how quickly demand has 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 improved or air traffic demand has improved in in short order and looking at the u.s i think we're seeing a pretty strong rebound here are you seeing airlines in in markets that are more locked down uh, potentially accelerating their training efforts to, to maybe prevent any bottlenecks if they if they think that their own domestic air traffic you know trends could experience a similar Surge like like the U.S. airlines have seen the past few months here, or or are they waiting for more clarity before making that type of training decision?
3: It depends. It depends. I think I was making, I was highlighting in the uh, question uh, from Noah is exactly you know we've seen that. Like for example in South America, uh, I was using the uh, the example that Avianca really really decided to get all their pilots trained. So we had a bubble there where we were operating at north of 100 percent in our training center in colombia uh, and so that's an example here uh right now if you look at some of the countries that uh, chile's in full lockdown brazil, uh, brazil no surprise still battling very high cases so we're going to see so necessarily the flying activity isn't there uh we're seeing uh airlines hunkering down uh but that'll come back and that, would, uh, that when that comes back i would fully expect That uh, we're going to see similar kind of story that we saw in uh, Colombia. Asia-Pacific, you know, many countries have, if you just read the newspapers, right, that many countries have pulled back on opening up the green channels that they had uh, due to what's happening in India. Uh, Malaysia declared a national uh, nationwide lockdown again, so if you look at our utilization numbers overall, you, you can well imagine that we're a, a key partner to AirAsia, which is a you know the Southwest Airlines, if you like, of Southeast Asia. And so you can well imagine that that uh, Malaysia's locked down. Then you know we're not too doing too much there. Uh, I, I talked about India. What's happening? We have been high in India. That's coming back down. Uh, so not surprisingly, uh, you know I don't think I think it's a pretty mixed situation over there in Europe. You know we've seen. Uh, Basically, it's a day-by-day situation, and uh, you know, I was encouraged to see some opening up uh, recently. That we that they're telegraphing that they allow tourist travel in uh, within Europe right now. So that's very good positive. Uh, we see I could go around, I could go on and on, but you see Portugal's possibly lifting as early as May 17th. But until it until those lifts happen, uh, it'll. You know it'll need to be slow, and I think airlines have been cautious in terms of their training activity. But then you go to other areas, like for example, in Japan, where Japan Airlines has never missed a beat. They've, you know that training center is operating at very high levels because they've they taken the uh, the tact that they're going to take basically the opportunity uh, throughout is to maintain their pilots fully trained. But overall, I think if you look at our business, in aggregate. I think what we've said before is look at the IATA growth path. Uh, We're not getting ahead of the IATA uh, growth path uh, that's predicted. Uh, But having said that, you know what, I'm very very encouraged by the level of flying activity that I see in the United States. And I think that will be reflected. I don't think anybody is going to take flying for granted anymore. No, that's a a fair comment and great color. And maybe just... um
9: uh, a, a clarification point the, the, within healthcare: the Cae Air One ventilator. You you you've completed the deliveries uh, a, a, in the fiscal fourth quarter. Uh, is there a reason why you, you can't um, sell that to to to, to other governments or other uh you know hospitals? Is, is 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 there a reason why this is uh, this is a kind of a, a non recurring revenue stream, or, or is this something you can actively
3: to, to, to other customers. No, I think, Well, I think what you're seeing there is our discipline. You know, we remain focused to what we're good at, and what you saw uh, specifically with the uh, example of Vanletter is you know, what you're seeing is what CE can do. Uh, and I, I, I always point it that way. You take the, the the fantastic subject matter expertise that we have in healthcare, where we understand everything to do with you know uh, the training for intubation and everything to do with the use of ventilators. So we were able to see, seize that subject matter expertise and considering the crisis that existed at the time for the use of ventilators, marry that up with the core competencies at CE of systems engineering software, the global sourcing that we have, uh, and, and put that all together and produce it in an absolute record of time. Not only produce them at high rate, but the, you know, invent them because you know there was no there was no ventilators available, and there was obviously no parts available. So we went from scratch. So you saw an example of what we can do. So with regards to your question about moving forward, we took a conscious decision, basically say that well, if we look at the market going forward, yeah, we could do that, and maybe we could get results. But I think you know, with the with the the what's happened in the pandemic, you know, a lot of people now produce a lot of ventilators, including. Yeah, t- typical uh, producers of ventilators across the across the the world, OEMs that produce ventilators. And there's a at the moment, I think there's a glut overall. I mean, obviously there's some shortages in you know key areas like for example, yeah, tragically in India, for example. But what you're seeing is overall there's going to be a lot more ventilators on a steady state than is actually required. And going forward, you know, do we really want to be competing against established players producing ventilators? And, we th- and we'd like to know. And we, what we'd rather do, though, is to, again, using our subject matter ex- expertise to partner with those companies in producing simulation-based training associated with that. And, 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 and really, that we think is a much better way forward. I,
9: I appreciate the, the color there, and kudos on opening up the vaccination center in Quebec. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Benoit Poirier of Desjardins. Please go ahead.
10: Yes. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, everyone. Uh, just for defense, when we look at the uh, adjusted operating margin reached 2%, 2% or 69 uh, with government subsidies, mm-hmm. which is down from uh, almost 12% a year ago, while revenue were only down 2%. So cou- could you maybe provide some color on what drove the decline? And,
3: how should we expect defense margins to to recover from these levels well, i think the first number just the same as we talked about with the margins civil there seventeen point two 17.28 civil i think use the higher number defense this number you should be looking at because again for the reasons that we talked about the costs that are being offset by the government program uh so we, we talked about before those those issues they haven't changed really uh, but a while the, the fact is if you look at the, the fact that our book to bill has been below one for the last five quarters, uh, and which has changed this quarter, by the way, in a, in a quite nice way, and I can expect that to continue. So you take the lack of orders, particularly product orders, because they tend to be higher margin. Number one, and the fact is, you know, well, you're you're eating off your margin. So as you eat, you're eating off your backlog. So as you eat off your backlog, uh, you know, you still. You still have a lot of costs, so those are you know, in the end of the day you have to be absorbed. That's number one. The other thing is, you know, our our mix has changed over the past few years to more service contracts. They tend to be lower margin. Uh, we have had a host of COVID-related issues uh, in defense, particularly internationally. The U.S. has been less affected, but having said that, it has been affected. And I'll just give you an example. I've quoted before is like. Our Tampa Training Center, which is which trains C-130 crews, uh, a large part of the customers that come to that Tampa Training Center are overseas customers. And because of that, that tends to be a higher margin operation for that reason. But the customers haven't been able to show up because they haven't been able to travel. So that's been quite a bit of a headwind all year. Uh, but internationally, uh, you know, what's happened is we've really had uh, issues in, in regards to uh, basically access to customers, access, access to, uh, to facilities uh, due to lockdowns overall. So all of those factors explain where we're at. Going forward, I mean, the COVID-related issues themselves are abating. We still have some, like we access to customers in the Middle East, for example, is still difficult. So programs are still difficult, and we are... Basically execute those programs as we speak, but again, I th- I'm very encouraged by a couple of things. Number one is the orders that we're signing. The volume of those orders that we're signing, we're on, we're getting back on the positive. The the fact that, again, what I should have said at the outset is, and I mentioned in my remarks, we have about 800 million of orders that we expected to sign in the past year and and going into this year that literally been pushed to right because uh, we've had literally these they've been delayed largely to again due to covid because although defense forces themselves there is obviously an essential service they've kept operational but large cases that the people that would support you know pr- uh, putting orders contracts in place just haven't been then de- been there or certainly non-force and that's caused the delays that's going to catch up over the next few quarters uh, at the same time We've used the opportunity during this COVID crisis to make the investments uh, broadly as a company, to make sure that we come out of this as a COVID winner. That includes operational efficiencies in defense. Some of that is captured in the restructuring service, uh, the restructuring that you see. So that part of that 65 to 70 million will be reflected in the defense. So I guess long, long answer to show that margins should be going up and I fully expect us to get north of you know the north well at least in the low double digits before too long okay that, of course, that's really and, great call and of course and of course everything gets increased when we do the L3 uh, acquisition L3 Harris acquisition because on a typical basis they were they were operating at a higher margin than we are with a concentration of more products uh, than services and a a, a lar- much uh, much stickier kind of backlog because of programs they have so that'll improve things as well
10: yeah and with respect to defense, how much visibility do you have for fiscal twenty two which i mean what is already in the backlog to meet your growth ambition? And following L3, what would be the uh, breakdown between
3: equipment and services uh, in terms of mix for defense? Uh, I, well, I think we haven't provided much uh, you know, visibility on what we see uh, this year, you know, for good reason, uh, because we don't have, well, it's not that we don't have visibility of our existing programs in defense, but it's really in terms of the when we expect the closing of the L3 Harris program uh, uh acquisition will occur, I think I would point to the fact that you know the the book to bill this quarter one point one i think that that's good, that basically starts to tell you that we're getting good coverage uh of order and take to revenue to to what we really need uh, so in, in terms of uh well in well actually in fact when I looked at the numbers, we actually have going into the year. The highest percentage backlog, the percentage of revenue that to, back to, to fulfill their year, we have the highest percent of, re, of in our backlog already than I've seen in recent history. If you know what I mean, okay. the coverage.
10: Yeah. Okay. That okay cover? That's great. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Ron Epstein, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Please go ahead.
7: hey uh, good afternoon guys um maybe changing gears just a little bit here um there's been a lot of focus lately on urban air mobility and uh the market has been supportive of many of the different companies developing these vehicles but maybe you know one of the long tent poles is who are going to fly these things so my question to you is have you been approached at or are you in conversations with any of the urban air mobility companies or uh, the companies that want to operate those vehicles on a strategy around uh, training pilots, um, at least for the time period before those things go autonomous, which might be quite some time.
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I personally believe that, you know, this is going to be uh, 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 this is going to be uh, definitely a good part of the market in the future. You know, so, you know, your your guess as to when that happens is, is as good as mine. but. I I certainly believe there's some some uh, estimates that are out there. That's probably in terms of pilots, probably in needing about in the nature of our estimate, sixty thousand pilots by 2030. For us, uh, we're we're have, we're very much involved in that uh, space. Uh, I can tell you, they have these specialized meetings of everybody who's in the industry, including all of these uh, companies that are producing these various uh, uh, EV tall. Uh, devices. I was at the last one, which is just prior to COVID, that was in Dallas. It was called Texas Up. So I can tell you, I was uh, visiting myself uh, just uh, last week uh, with uh, one, you know, very strong competitor uh, contender, Beta Aviation. I was with their CEO and their team in Burlington, Vermont, just last week, and very impressed with what they're doing. We're partnering with them uh, on the, uh, going forward, and and just we announced that we're doing this with Jaunt, as I mentioned in my remarks. Uh, other, uh, you know, I won't go through all of them because some of them are competitively uh, sensitive. They don't want us to talk about it. But, you, well, uh, I think y- you can rest assured that we're involved with pretty much the whole ecosystem right now. Uh, as usual, we would take our, our role that uh, that we want to be, if you like, OEM agnostic. So, so we want to be able to serve the industry. We serve them not only in training pilots, but also help them in actual design and certification of the aircraft, which we're doing, as I mentioned the contract that we signed with John is for helping them do, uh, if you like to call it in industry parlance, the iron bird, where software in the loop, so basically where well, you can fly the vehicle using software way before you ever you know, fly the real aircraft and you prove out all the software interfaces and you can actually certify components of the design uh, using, uh, well flying it if you like, virtually. So. Again, we're we're very much part of that, and because I think it's going to be part of the future. It's an exciting part. <laughs> I can tell you, uh, being a, an aviation geek my whole life, I mean, this is where aviation was in the 30s, where you have a whole bunch of people developing aircraft. It's, it's like the, it's the Wild West out there. It's quite exciting, but we'll be part of it.
7: Great, thank you.
2: Thank you, operator. I think that's all the time that we have today for investors. Before we open uh, the lines to the media, uh, Mark will say a few words in French. So, Mark, à uh, toi la parole. Oui, merci, Andrew. Uh,
3: je tenais uh, juste à dire, uh, avant de pouvoir répondre aux questions, uh, uh, tellement uh, à quel point je suis fier du rôle que CAE a joué dans la vaccination à l'entreprise Vous avez vu l'annonce faite par le gouvernement euh, avec le ministre Dubé qui était ici euh, le 19 mars dernier dans nos bureaux à CAE et les 23 pots de vaccination à l'entreprise qui ont été confirmés depuis. CAE a été vraiment le premier euh, pôle de vaccination à l'entreprise qui a été ouvert le 26 avril dernier. Puis en seulement trois semaines, on a vacciné approximativement 7500 personnes. Euh, le centre de vaccination il est, il est très bien rodé maintenant. Je, 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 et ce que je voulais annoncer, c'est que, et très heureux de le faire, que dès la semaine prochaine, lundi, le centre de vaccination de CE va être ouvert à la population générale, donc visible à, à tous sur le site de vaccination d'Antique Santé. Euh, puis pour moi, notre engagement dans cette initiative démontre l'importance qu'on accorde à notre rôle et notre impact social parce que comme on on l'a dit on n'est pas les seuls les 23 pros de vaccination tous les coûts sont engendrés par les compagnies on le fait pour le le but d'accélérer la vaccination de donner un un répit au système euh, de la santé publique et pouvoir retourner à la normale euh, le plus vite possible on est très content de voir que grâce à la vaccination c'est ce qu'on voit au Québec merci et on peut euh, ouvrir à la période de questions.
1: Thank you. Via the phone line you may press the 1 followed by the 4 to register a question or comment. Once again, that is the 1-4. The first question comes from André Allard of Les Ailes du Québec. La parole est à vous. Please go ahead.
11: Oui, bonjour Monsieur Parent. D'abord, euh à féliciter toute l'équipe de CAE pour son leadership justement dans la vaccination à C'est une belle initiative. Comme femme d'aviation et d'aéronautique, je suis content de voir que c'est une entreprise du secteur qui, qui mène cette initiative-là. Euh, Merci, Alex Maintenant, je veux juste confirmer avec vous quelque chose que j'ai lu ce matin. Je veux juste m'assurer que j'ai bien compris. Vous avez mentionné que dans le secteur de la défense, t a remporté tous ces nouveaux appels d'offres durant l'exercice. Est-ce que c'est exact Puis comment vous, si c'est le cas, comment vous expliquez ça Est-ce que c'est juste que vous êtes trop meilleur, trop bon par rapport à, à vos compétiteurs
3: Non, ce que je disais, c'est qu'on a remporté, euh, je disais le terme en anglais, en anglais foundational recompete, c'est qu'on a gagné tous les contrats où on, on exécutait des programmes euh, d'entraînement de pilotes. Euh, qui, évidemment, sont des, sont des contrats qui, vont, qui sont sur plusieurs années. Euh, et que C'est très important, euh, évidemment, pour le, 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 le revenu et le profit chaque année. Et on avait un, un nombre de ces programmes-là qui venaient à échéance cette année. Okay. Donc, un exemple, un exemple, c'est le cas C-135 où c'est que on entraîne tous les pilotes de la U.S. Air Force, la Air National Guard, dans, dans 15 bases Euh, qui, américaines qui sont aux États-Unis et un peu partout autour, autour du monde. Mais ce contrat-là venait à échéance. Puis ça il y a echeance puis ca y ete un appel d'offres. Euh, on a compétitionné avec plusieurs compagnies et on a gagné. Puis en plus, non seulement on a gagné le contrat, mais il a été bonifié par euh, non seulement l'entraînement des pilotes, mais l'entraînement du personnel qui réhabilitait les avions, le Boom Operator. Ça, fait que ça, c'est un exemple. L'autre exemple que je mentionnais, c'est où on a entraîné des pilotes pour la U.S. Navy, pour le T-44, qui était finalement un King Air militaire, puis euh, qu'on, qu'on a, on a gagné ça aussi. tous ces programmes qui, qui, sont des, qui, sont, qui ont été reconduits cette année, on les a tous gagnés. Puis, c'est très important, évidemment, parce que ce que ça fait, c'est que ça, ça solidifie notre base. Puis, en plus de ça, on a gagné les contrats euh, en, 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 en déçà de ça. Donc, ça s'annonce bon pour l'avenir. OK. OK. Euh
11: maintenant je vais vous amener dans, un petit peu dans le futur parce que euh, la, la Commission européenne, l'Agence européenne d'a, d'aéronautique a débuté l'étude euh, pour possiblement euh, réduire ou voire éliminer la nécessité d'avoir des, 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 des simulateurs des niveau D ou ce qu'on appelle communément des des euh, FF, 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 euh, S, là, ça veut dire des, four fight, euh, des, four, euh, euh, des simulateurs des 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 pour y aller plus, pour possiblement aller plus avec des FTD, donc des simulateurs sans mouvement, parce qu'il y a une grosse remise en question sur l'utilité d'avoir des simulateurs avec euh, avec mouvement versus un FTD. Je voulais savoir si dans 5 ou 6 ans d'ici, ce serait plus nécessaire d'avoir des simulateurs euh, full motion pour l'entraînement des pilotes. Quel serait l'impact sur l'entreprise? Puis avez-vous commencé à évaluer comment vous pouvez... euh, éviter ou diminuer le risque face à ça
3: Ben écoutez, moi ce que je dirais c'est que je suis, dans, je suis dans l'industrie depuis longtemps, je suis pilote moi-même, je m'entraîne sur les simulateurs moi-même parce que j'ai une licence de pilote de ligne. Euh, je, ne, je ne vois pas du tout de, de, euh, de défis pour notre business par rapport à ça. Euh, je ne le vois pas non plus comme, euh, comme chose qui va arriver. Puis de toute façon, même si ça l'arrivait, Euh, je pense que vous pouvez vous imaginer que l'argent où on le fait, c'est pas sur les, les vérins électriques ou, électri- ou, euh, ou électroniques qui, qui font le, la, le, le, le mouvement du lacur. Nous autres, aussi qu'on se différencie, puis ça, ça fait pas d'hier, ça fait longtemps, c'est la fidélité de la simulation. Puis la, filé, la fidélité de la, fi- de la simulation euh, que, que tu utilises un full motion ou non, elle doit être là. Puis, Je ne vois pas les autorités de réglementation, euh, les quoi que ce soit sur le… Puis même si c'est le contraire, sur euh, comment sophistiquée que la simulation, elle, est. C'est sur ça qu'on compétitionne. Puis on est euh, vraiment, euh, euh, comme vous disiez, les meilleurs dans le monde en ce sens-là. Fait que ça ne m'inquiète pas du tout, euh, personne. Okay. Je ne vois pas du tout un euh, sur notre business.
11: Mais de toute façon… Corrigez-moi si je me trompe, mais CAE, on l'identifie encore à tort comme d'abord un fabricant de simulateurs, alors que c'est de moins en moins le cas. C'est de plus en plus un, une, une entreprise qui fournit des solutions complètes de formation, puis le simulateur fait partie, est un élément de, ce, de, de, de cette solution-là. Il faut mettre en charge notre équipe de marketing, c'est exactement ça. <rire> on quand,
3: quand, je, quand j'ai rentré à CAE, moi, à peu près. 80 % de chiffre d'affaires venait de la vente de simulation, de euh, la vente de simulateurs de vol. Évidemment, là, quand je parle de la situation là, maintenant, il euh, faut, 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 faut que je me place donc, avant COVID, là, parce que le, la COVID, évidemment, ça, ça affecte notre, notre, notre business, mais sur le court terme, mais aujourd'hui, on, à peu près 20 % de notre business vient de la vente de simulateur aux compagnies aériennes. Et ce n'est pas parce que Le nombre a, a baissé, c'est quand j'étais à 80 % avant, le 20 % maintenant, c'est même plus de simulateurs que, que, qu'on avait, qu'on avait 80 %. La différence, comme vous dites, c'est maintenant, on a des, des solutions de formation complètes et c'est vraiment là qu'on s'est passé, même si on est, on va continuer être le chef de file dans la vente de simulateurs au monde.
11: OK, bien, je vous remercie beaucoup. Ça, 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 me, ça me permet de comprendre, hein, finalement, qu'il Malgré l'évolution des choses, si ça, devait, ça devait, elle devait aller plus vers les FTD, vous êtes quand même en mesure de garder une bonne partie de votre chiffre d'affaires. C'est ce que je comprends. Mais
3: nous, on est une compagnie qui est vraiment dans l'âme, dans notre ADN, c'est, on est des innovateurs. Il n'y on, on a, on, a rien qui, qui dure toujours. On, on y va toujours puis on va continuer à faire ça.
11: Okay. Merci beaucoup. Je vais laisser les autres poser
4: des questions. Merci.
11: Merci, uh, tout Merci à uh, nos participants,
2: Operator. I think that's all the time we have for this afternoon. I know we went uh, a bit longer than, uh, than we usually do, but uh, a quarter and uh, certainly lots of great questions. I want to thank all participants from the investment community and members of the media. And I would remind uh, participants that a transcript of today's call can be found on C's website as well as a link to the replay. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. This does conclude the conference conference today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you and have a good day.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7UP, all with your card.